Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is how to write besties and buddies. And this was a question from one of our listeners, and um, I believe she's, yeah, she was a member of the Holly's Writing Classes community. But before we get into today's topic, we're going to do what we do every week and talk about how our week went. So Holly? Um, I'm surprised it went as well as it did because this week was chaos on top of chaos. But in spite of that, I got 8,201 words on the Dead Man's Party revision. Yay! <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and that was taking apart uh, and then putting together a private little bundle sale for my members. Uh, just a private inside the classroom. And in spite of that... I got a lot of words, and I am finally, finally, finally to the point where I get to use words I've already written. I <laughs> hit that point on Friday, and I got to, to use almost everything from one whole scene. I was so happy. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, because, you know, a revision is not supposed to be writing brand new 2,000 words a day, and that's what Let's, it's been up until now. Let's clarify. Revision when you're 30 years in yeah. is not supposed to be. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is that. Because, yeah, once you've gone through and you've done your read-through and have discovered that you completely wrote the wrong book for the first four or five chapters or 12 chapters or whatever, then, yeah, you got to rewrite those. Uh, yeah. But that's where I was with this book is that the first 12 chapters had where I was writing the wrong book, and I didn't find the book until 12 chapters in. And I think that's a good thing to note for people, too, because yeah. you are 34 years in? Oh, God, I don't know. I started this when I was 24. At 24. Four, yeah. Yeah, so you're like 35 years in. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, well, almost. Yeah. Let's not age you. Yes. you're 58. Yes, birthday next month, so. <laughs> yes, you're 24 years in. And no, 34 you years still, in. 34. <laughs> you're 34 years in. <laughs> You wish you were 24 years old. No, no, not really. Um, yeah, both of us are, are happy with our ages. The 34 years in and you're still running into, I had to rewrite the first, what, quarter yeah. of the book? Or yeah. third? Yeah, first, no, because the book is going to be about 80,000 words. No, from what you had already written. Oh, from what I had already written, yes. First quarter yeah. of the book. First quarter of the book. And so, like, even for all those people looking at the books that they've written, thinking that it's not salvageable... I'm just gonna say the how to write a no or how to revise your novel course does show you how anything anything at all is salvageable, but you can end up having to rewrite a lot <laughs> of it, having to cut like entire 
half of your book because you finally found what you were were searching for in the very end of the book. Right. And it's nice to see that a professional author with 34 years of experience still runs into the problems that any noob would on any day. Yeah, well, that's why this book is going to be the, the new demo for that class is, you know, you, there is absolutely no point in demoing, in showing somebody how everything went together when everything was already really good. It yeah. really, if you have a really wrecked book and you can show somebody how you fixed that, that's yeah. the way to go. So this is going to be the demo for how to revise your novel after I get it finished. Well, you've got, yeah, you've got two more that are going in as well. But yeah, that's going to be your that's new demo. My new demo, yes. Yeah. So she'll also have two more demos from a different author from different perspective, I guess. Of One is a completely wrecked novel, and then the other one is a novel that just needs the extra oomph. Yeah. So I think that, that kind of covers so many different levels for people, you know, especially if they took the How to Write a Novel course, and then they're like, oh my God, I'm running into the same problem <laughs> as her. Then they can go ahead and pick up their, their How to Revise Your Novel course, because a lot of your your members have all of your stuff. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Okay, so how'd your week go? Well, my week was a take completely off. And I know you labeled it as a think week in the forums, and I appreciate that. It was a breakdown week. <laughs> I I had just burnt out completely and on, on different levels. And I realized that I owned my own business, and I realized how many businesses I started. There was a lot of them, and I didn't realize that. But, like, I even started, like, a nail polish business and all this and that. But the big thing was Etsy. I started an Etsy shop when we first moved here because we had literally no money. Um, and we had uh, – mom actually was, was paying, what, like, <laughs> almost all of our bills. <laughs> and the only money I was bringing in was going to the – the uh, yard, not yard sale, not thrift shop, the flea market, the flea market and selling jewelry that I was making for super cheap, like way, they, these people were getting amazing deals. <laughs> and because it's the area, the area is just not going to pay. You have to know the market that you are around when you're local. So uh, yeah, making very little money. And then I started the Etsy shop and it was very successful. But again, there were low profit margin items. And I did that for five years and it was getting better and it was really, really, it was paying our half of the bills. But when Tony said, no, okay, I'm doing enough work to pay for all of our bills. Um, you can stop and just focus on writing. That was amazing. And I hadn't realized how badly I had burnt out on, on jewelry making, but I still can't make, I still don't want to make anything. I don't want to design anything, which is really sad because I used to love to design different dangly earrings and stuff. Um, and a lot of your members actually bought stuff from me when Tony was in his motorcycle accident. Yeah, I and I, <laughs> yeah, and I, I know I already said thank you for that, but I'll say thank you again because that was that it, it was one of those moments where we were in such desperate help or need that you know the help it it made me cry, and it was what we needed to to kind of you know keep everything together while he was recovering because it was really not a great accident no. um yeah so I burnt out pretty bad still don't and I used to love to make jewelry I, I, re, I remember the first things one of the very first things you had taught me was you know 
jewelry making, playing with beads, doing all that stuff mm-hmm. since since I was a young kid. And I just, I can't stand it anymore. And I've sold a lot of the stuff and Tony refuses to let me sell some of the other stuff. Like, because he's <laughs> like, you'll get back to it someday. Um, but I can't lose writing. Yeah. Writing has been my thing since, well, I mean, you're, you're, when your mother is a writer and you have a lot of the same brain, because it's not always going to be like, oh, I'm going to father or I'm going to follow in my mother's footsteps or my father's footsteps for people. But sometimes you just click. Sometimes you just have the same connection, the same desires, the same loves. And writing has always been that for me. Um, I can't lose that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Especially considering the fact that I am getting around to getting to the acceptance phase of the infertility and stuff like that. So I went into burnout, depression mode, and my friend, uh, Leah noticed it before I did. And she was very blunt. She told me over the Instagram chat. And I was like, okay, then I need, I need to take this week off. So I did absolutely nothing other than very light help desk work. If there was anything big, you know, I know Holly or Dan took over and I appreciate that. I thank you guys both. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was still doing help desk and that was it. Man, I thought I was going to help because we've also had no water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we've had to fix the pump and that took several, several, several days and Tony was just constantly if he wasn't working he was and even when he was working if he he was if he had downtime he was watching videos and reading and trying to figure out how the hell to fix this damn pump and he finally got it we finally have water um we still have the same issues all around the house that a 16 year old house would have that you have to repair but i don't care we have ac we have water we're we're you know (laughs) we're alive the roof is intact the roof is brand new pretty much. I mean, it's just little by little things are getting better and I just have to focus on that. But last week I was just, it, it was just horrible and I needed the time off. So I didn't get anything done. I think I went into the forums once because mm-hmm. I just, I, I thought I was going to end up fixing a lot of the stuff in the house or nope, nope. I was like, screw it. Yeah. I just need this time off. It's, well, that's something that I had when when I was writing to contract, where and especially on the books where uh, I would discover it during revision that I had screwed them up and would then have to rewrite massive portions of the book on a very tight deadline, and I would be working 12-hour days, seven days a week for weeks on end, and sometimes 14 and 16-hour days. And Yeah, I was going to say, some, uh, oh, 12 yeah. hours is light. Yeah. yeah. I remember there were days when I woke up and you were already writing, and I would go to bed and you were still writing. Yeah. Yeah, those were that was not fun. And yeah, it is entirely possible to work that much, but it's not entirely possible to work that much all the time without paying a price for it. And yeah, yeah you've been you I I knew where you were because I had been there and that sucks. Sometimes yeah. you got to have to have a break. Well, see, and that was the problem with Etsy was that there was no downtime. If I was watching movies with Tony, I was making new products. Mm-hmm. All day, every single day, I was making new products unless he forced me out of the house to go on a bike run or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, and the other thing is, I don't love, I didn't love jewelry making as much as I loved writing. Yeah. I just, you know, so writing I think would stand the test, but I don't want to force it to try. 
And there is a there is a point where you can force yourself to hate writing too, and I don't want to get there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love your books too much. I have to read, read them, so you have to you have to finish them. So God damn it, day off. Yes. Every week. Yeah, week off. Every week. I'm, yeah, I am taking Saturdays off, so Holly's going to do the show notes on Friday. Yep. That way I know if I need to do any homework before we hit the show for any future workshops that we have for you guys. And I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody out there with some sort of mental health illness, uh, mental depression, anything like that. Find somebody to talk to. One of the members, I've been talking with him and we've been just chatting and I was consistently telling him, listen, you really need to go just see somebody, see somebody, talk to somebody, figure it out. And he did finally. And I am so proud of him. And if he's listening to this, I, I think you're amazing for for doing it because it's scary and it's and and especially walking into that void that unknown and if you have a mental illness if you have you know uh, intrusive thoughts bad thoughts if, if you can't get out of your own head seek professional help there are ways to do it look into community outreach programs that they have you can call certain things for free they have you know just do a little bit of research to try to find some help because it's one of those ego things it's one of those also lack of self-esteem things oh it's just me oh I just have a problem and I need to fix it no no you know I I had that too oh I I had the pride oh no I can fix this myself I'll just read a whole bunch of Tony Robbins I'll just read a whole bunch of these self-improvement self-motivation books Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't, then your your depression, your anxiety, whatever your problem is, might be worse than something you can handle by yourself. Yeah. I, I have a little personal thing just on that. Um, I have talked about this elsewhere, but let me say it here. Uh, when I was 27 years old, I was on the way home from Fayetteville to Laurenburg, uh almost to Rayford, there was a tree on the right side of the road. I had decided that uh, I was uh, I was going to kill myself. And uh, I was I was in a really, really, really bad place. And if I had carried through on I, I swerved, uh, I was on the way into uh, because <clears throat> okay, let me explain. Uh, I, my marriage was falling apart. I come from a family that was very Christian. My parents had told me that divorce was absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. Her mother said he has diabetes. Just wait until he dies. Yeah. Yeah. And I just could not face living the rest of my life with that evil bastard. And, but I thought, well, he doesn't like me. (laughs) <laughs> but he loves the kids. He'll be a good father to them. Uh, this was the child molester, by the way, who was convicted later. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't do any of that stuff until you left. Right, right. He was he was an amazing dad while you were there. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. But if I had gone into that tree <laughs> on the right side of the road before you get to Rayford, uh, I would never have written a book. My kids would have been left with a child molester and nobody to talk to. Um, everything, I, and and I, you know, I, I would have been dead because, yeah, and like, just to tell you guys too, just to explain, her parents were 
no, let's not tell everybody. Let's just work this out. Once Mark came out with what was going on, her parents specifically said, no, let's just keep it under the rug. Let's talk to the parents. Let's deal with it that or uh, with his his parents, with Barry's parents mm-hmm. and figure this out that way. If Mark had told um, his other grandmother, other gran- yeah, yeah, his other grandmother or grandfather um, that it would have pretty much been the same thing because both both sets of grandparents um, have a lot of pride in the community and how they are seen in the community how they are that they have a lot invested in their appearance mm-hmm. so we would we, it, it would have been really bad it would have taken a lot longer and who knows where we would be today right right so um suicide is a mistake <laughs> seriously yeah. Seriously. Yeah, if you are having suicidal thoughts, please reach out to somebody because we've said this before on the podcast. I know mom's talked to that, told that story before, but at the same time, you never know who might have missed that episode. You never know whose mm-hmm. episode this could be the first one. If you are having suicidal thoughts, as many, many creatives do, please, please seek help because you don't know who you could affect. Even if there's nobody in your direct vicinity that has mental conditions or has intense depression or anything like that if you're going through a bad time work on it it'll get better and then you can tell your story and you might save another life yeah Uh, the thing that saved me was at the last possible second this little voice in the back of my head that said maybe divorce wouldn't be so bad and I swerved away from the tree and uh you know I'm here today and uh, I have and Mark is here today and Mark is here today and you are here today and you guys are okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I, I got a very, very, very bad childhood from him. But mm-hmm. um, I think for what Mark went through, he would not be here today if you weren't. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. a possibility. I think that's a strong yeah. possibility. So, yeah. <laughs> so on a happier note. <laughs> yes, on a happier note. Good God. All right. So let's get to the question. And this is how to write buddies and besties. And this is something um, that there, there's one little thing in here that I, I do want to mention after I read the question, and then we'll get into it. But this is the question. And again, I'm sorry, I forgot to take down names. So I didn't, <laughs> all I did was just copy and paste all of these questions in one huge file so that we could get to them. And yeah, the names are not there because they, they would have taken an extra copy and paste. <laughs> Um, I'd love to get you guys take you guys' take on character relationships focused chiefly on the non-romance side of things. Things like best friends, work partners. Basically, I struggle to show these really, really close relationships in my writing. Chosen family, take a bullet for you close kinds of relationships where romance, flirting, sex, all the romantic trappings is not present. I have several groups of characters across various novels who fit this description, and at least one of them is most definitely a romantic she has a work partner with whom she is very close and it's extremely important to both her and to both her character arc and her partner's arc that I show how each needs the other but I stay true to her personality with all of that so to restate how do I make it clear that romance is not a factor in some character relationships even though the characters are closer than family close this is the thing that I want to want to point out. Somewhere in this conversation thread, 
somebody was talking about, yeah, how do I get people not to ship my characters or, or why, you know, all these people, they're always shipping these characters. Now shipping for anybody who doesn't understand. Yeah. Like Holly. Yeah. He's like, what the hell? Yes. I've never heard that term. Um, that's where if you're typically it's with TV shows, it's where you see romance between two characters where it's not like what I used to do with Clark and Lex from Smallville was shipping. I put them in a relationship. So, oh, um, okay. Yeah. So that's what you're doing is you're, 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 you, you as the person see these two romance, these two friends and you want there to be a romance. You cannot control how the reader or the viewer reacts to these character friendships sometimes if they if they are shipping characters is because that's something that they are missing in their own relationship or life sometimes it's just because the actors have incredible chemistry or the the relationship in the book has incredible chemistry it is not a bad thing at all if somebody is shipping those characters it's just not going to happen for them and (laughs) sorry and and that gives them an outlet for writing fan fiction yes it does it does (laughs) and i just i just wanted to note that that if you have people shipping your characters you're not doing something wrong you're doing something right or the actors are doing something right they just have a lot of chemistry and that's a good thing yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, okay, let's let's strip this down. Buddy-bestie relationships are specifically no sex, no romance, but, and this is a big but, a lot of love. And love has many, many faces. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to be talking about some of the different ways that you can bring love into a relationship without bringing in the sex and the romance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of those things, too, is that um, I love my family. I love Tony. Um, I love Leah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I have friends that I love. I love Brian and Brandy. When it came to a guy friend that I used to have that was also Tony's friend, I felt weird because it was like, well, I love him, so I was worried about it for a second. And then I'm like, no, no. I think a lot of us have, especially from, you know, um, kids from abused backgrounds, we can sometimes fear that kind of feeling towards other people, especially if, like, we're married. Mm -hmm. Like you said love has so many different faces you know is love you can love somebody as chosen family Mm -hmm. it is a true true deep love and it's real it's no less real than the the feelings you might have for your partner it's just a different side of love yeah yeah and i think that a lot of friendships in writing lack that they lack that depth Mm -hmm. well yeah because it's if you are looking at romance as being the only true love, then you are losing a lot of different possibilities in your fiction. And yeah. a lot of people do that. A lot of people think, well, you know, if, if I love this person, it's a romance. And that ain't necessarily so. Let's look at 
um, the different things that are a part of putting together a relationship, just different pieces. And then after we run through these different pieces, we're going to look at how you throw them into a buddies and besties situation. Okay, so they, they are full, full relationships encompass the following things. And the first one is meeting. So let's talk a little bit about characters meeting. Okay, so starting with this uh, is number one, meeting. Number two, conflicting up. Uh, number two, connecting on similarities. Number three, conflicting on differences. And that yes. is a big damn deal. Yes. Number four, building common ground. Number five, suffering hurt and betrayal. Number six, breaking up. Number seven, getting back together. Number eight, potential happily ever after. And number nine, potential tragic loss. Okay, so let's bump back to the first one, which is meeting. And let's talk about characters meeting. Go. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, especially if, you, okay, so first off, you have to look at the time frame mm -hmm. of when you are writing, like the time period of of your book because obviously if you're writing some some you know let's go back to Anne Rice the 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 plague centric uh age you're not going to have somebody doing meeting over social media right but for instance Leah and I um she met because somebody shared a tweet <laughs> or she met and and she went and followed the tweet and saw my jewelry and bought something and that is how we be and and like this long it's it's got to have been t 10 years i think wow that yeah 10 years and we have become best the best of friends like we talk daily even though she lives in australia um and it's such a weird random way to meet because it's it's kind of like you and matt or me and tony mm -hmm. the stuff that they would not have normally done she never clicked on friggin jewelry links right she never clicks on ads on twitter and yet she did. Yeah. It, 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 and that's it. That's it, what romance movies call the meet cute. Yeah. Where it's this funny little story about how these two people who should never have run into each other do. And mm -hmm. real life is full of them. Matt, who absolutely hates going to places he's never been and absolutely hates being in a room with strangers, showed up at a writer's meeting 50 miles from where he lived at my house because a guy he didn't know invited him to a writer's meeting and he yes. came. And that's yes. how we met. Yeah. Hell of a meet cute. Now, and that doesn't have to be a romance either. Right. But that, that's just how that ended up turning right. up. But one of our friends, one of, one of our friends, um, came over one time, uh, because his dog got loose and, um, you know, saw us, saw me in particular playing, cause his dog was huge and most people were afraid of it. And it's, um, and I was playing with it and calling it Cujo and all this and that. And he, <laughs> he saw me with my original really blonde, thick ass dreadlocks. And, and he's like, Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I know she, you know, smokes dope, by the way, I don't. <laughs> and I, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to bother with this hippie, this, this mess, mess of a hippie. And then it went, what, like a two years later or a year later, a year and a half, something like that, he comes over because of mail. We occasionally get each other's mail. And he stands outside and talks to Tony for three hours. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Holy shit, Tony's still out there? 
Oh, he must be a cool guy. Because Tony just, you know, he he doesn't give people a time of day if they're shit. So I was like, <laughs> wow, this is this is really cool. And Tony was already a firefighter, so he already had friends. But yeah, and then we ended up getting the motorcycles. <laughs> yeah. But and that changed our life. So and again, that was just a friendship, and that turned into friendship for me too. Yeah. It's an odd way to meet so that that's one way you can do you can do the chance meeting right and this is something that you need to look at it's everybody meeting at work is such a it's obvious and you i mean you people can make good friends from work yeah Um, that's how i met tony yeah but it's it's an obvious way and sometimes if you dig a little deeper you can find a better way to bring them together. Uh, the, the lost pet, um, the, the weird group of people who know each other meeting and bringing a stranger along with them, um, you know, which covers both of our stories right there. Uh, yeah, just, well, and there's, there's another one too. There's um, how I met Brian and Brandy. So random. I wasn't feeling good that day, but I had signed up to do um, basically when they have a um, soldier uh that has sometimes when they when they have a soldier that has died and it can be in war or it can be at home they have a group of people that um come by and hold flags so that the family when they you know and you're there for hours and you're holding a flag and that's all you do is just stand there and hold the flag until all the families in there has done the 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 stuff in on the inside come out and then they they do the taps and the gun salute Mm -hmm. and then you're not holding the flag then you're with everybody else but I've never done one of those before and I always if if anybody knows anything about me I support our veterans I support our soldiers I definitely am um as supportive as I can possibly be I think every soldier that I see if I if I get the opportunity so um I wanted to do this but I wasn't feeling good that day but I didn't call out because I felt like I really you know this is you, it was a commitment. Yeah. So I showed up with a friend, and there were only two other people there waiting because oh. we all showed up kind of early. Oh, okay. No, it was just, yeah, it was oh. just because we were early. There was a whole bunch of people there when okay, we cool. were. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was Brian and Brandy. And we just started talking. And the only reason that I even got to know them, because if you know anything else about me, is I'm very quiet, internal to myself. If I don't know you, I don't really talk that much yeah you can't tell that from listening to the podcast no this is actually the case (laughs) (laughs) no you can't um yeah because you guys are my people mom's you know obviously I have a good relationship with her uh but I'm actually very internal quiet I got that cancer shell the the cancer as in June baby um shell that you got to break through but my friend had the gift of gab he was always very gregarious so i ended up meeting them because of him and they're in my life and they're my family so um it's that that was not really somebody going somewhere where they wouldn't normally go but it's it can be that like you said somebody goes and brings a stranger along i would have been the stranger you know because (laughs) my friend was never a stranger to anybody and um then i met two of the more important people in my life yeah yeah and that's that's it it's consider your settings consider possible settings in your story consider how people could be unintendedly or unexpectedly together 
in those settings and then figure out a reason why they would have to speak to each other that that would make these two unlikely people connect. And that gives you a, a, a relationship, you know? Let's, let's talk about that work thing for a second, though. Okay. I hated salesmen. <laughs> could not stand any of them because they were sleazy. They were just, I, I could not stand, uh, th- there was like one there that was kind of funny. Um, and she was, she shared Harry Potter with me. But for the most part, I couldn't stand any of the guy salesmen, just, just at all. Um, and we had an influx of salesmen come in for what we were calling shuttle offices. And uh, they were just temporary setups in other places. And they were just supposed to be temporary. And all of the salesmen walk in and I'm just like, I'm, I'm as civil as I can be for, for absolutely just loathing every person that walks in. Tony walks in smiles at me and I'm done. <laughs> I smiled back and he he was not even supposed to be there. He lived in South Carolina and it was just an opportunity. He could have kept working there or he could have moved along with his friend Ted. Uh and he was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll come." And it it wasn't that he did something out of character because that's very much in his character. He mm-hmm. likes money. And you can put somebody you can have them meet at work, but have them meet in an unexpected way. Maybe they work in two completely different departments and they end up meeting because the elevator's broken and they both have to take the stairs. Or, you know, maybe somebody's new at work and is sitting in the other person's regular lunch spot or something like that. Yeah. Um, cop buddy films get this right a lot where it's somebody who gets assigned a partner who is just absolutely wrong for the character who is is you know the the lead cop or the guy who's <laughs> but they discover that in spite of all of their differences in spite of how absolutely horribly um wrong to be in their each other's lives they are they are perfect for each other yeah, and let's get to that part. Okay. So that's part two. Yeah, connecting on similarities. And this is not um, that they are just alike. Because, yes, it's obviously very easy to make friends with somebody who is just like you. It is really, really difficult to make friends with somebody who thinks the opposite of what you think on almost every matter. And there are going to be some things that you cannot get past. But if you are, if you are willing to, if you're stuck with somebody for one thing, which is why these are not relationships or why these are not romances. These are people who are stuck together and they have to make the best of it because well, they can be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the two cops. Right. Well, yeah, we don't, but we don't want a relation, a romantic relationship. So well, no, but you don't have to be stuck to to each other. Oh either. yeah, like, Leah and I are not stuck to each other, and we have a lot of differences. Right, right. But I I want to I want to just kind of emphasize that the connecting on similarities thing is not that they have everything in common. They need to not. Yeah. And it's it's the the things. This is where this gets important, is that people have core beliefs. They have the most critical things in the world that matter to them. Um, one of the things for me is family. Um, Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) 
there you have to understand that when I say family, I am meaning my kids and my husband because I cut off the ones who abandoned us and yeah. they ain't my family no more. <laughs> well, and one of them chose the side. Yeah. Chose the wrong side and the other one didn't have had no choice. Yeah, she was no, she was she was a hostage. <laughs> she was mentally retarded. Uh she had cerebral palsy. Uh, she, she was, uh, she was incapable of doing very simple things. I yeah. loved her. Uh, and she, she had no say in the relationship. Yeah. I always figured she'd come and live with me after my parents were dead. Unfortunately, she died first. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But this but, is, and, and yeah. that's with Leah, one of the things for us, animals. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge for us. And, and the core conviction can get you through a lot of other things because Leah and I see very differently. She is pure vegan and I'm eating almost nothing but <laughs> meat right. and dairy, which she keeps telling me is going to give me cancer. And and this is the this is the kind of stuff that you can accept about the other person, right? If you have strong enough connections to each other on those big big core beliefs, right? Right. So it is the common ground of what matters most to you in the world. And you have to know what this is. You have to understand that there's a lot of shit you can let go. There are some things that you cannot let go and that you will walk through fire to hold. And you, you will fight for that specific ground and you will eat anybody who gets between you and the thing that matters most to you. And uh, you have to know what that thing is. And people who share that same core conviction with you can become your friends, even if you vary on just a shitload of other stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like um, y- you look at the characters, and it, and it makes for better conflict within the characters. Uh-huh. I guess we should just get to part three then. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at this. Conflicting on differences, or conflicting. Yeah. Let me conflicting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. conflicting on differences. Let me let me say that correctly. Um, so these characters have one one or two core beliefs that are central to who they are. There are these are the things that they understand. Let's let's use our cops as an example. They believe that you are innocent until proven guilty, and they are just and they believe in the justice system and in upholding it. And they are surrounded by a lot of people who are a little flaky on this, but this is something these two guys stuck in this car together discover about each other is that no, they're not willing to cut corners. And no, they're not willing to um, just overlook crap that overlook bad things uh, done by fellow cops uh, because yeah. yeah, that and that's how one of them lost the other partner, and nobody else would work with him because he betrayed uh, a brother in blue, and yeah. the, so they stuck him with somebody that somebody else that they hated, and these two guys now have this core ground of we believe in the goodness of innocent until proven guilty, and we're not going to run somebody up because yeah, um, and then you give them conflicts, and a perfect right. example of that is if you watch Hawaii Five O. If you watch the two lead characters, um, they are as opposite as you can get. When they met, um, one of them pulled a gun on the... Well, actually, they both pulled a gun on each other. And, <laughs> yeah. 
And it's it's just it's a really really good the the remake of Hawaii Five O is a fantastic look at writing characters that are are the buddy buddy kinds the friends I mean there's male and female in there and that aren't romantic interests for each other and I love the fact how different these two main characters are you know and it it leads for a lot of funny conflicts it leads for a lot of serious conflicts but they're still they're still friends so that's a really good like little character study if you even if you you know don't really have much of an interest in the show itself i think it's no it's not on netflix anymore oh. but yeah i was bummed but yeah if you get a chance like watch some of those episodes because they really are very very good um uh character and there's a lot of chemistry but yeah, the the conflict, the <laughs> sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, we're just messing. That. Yeah, the conflict is really important because it it can add humor, it can add tension, it can add um, these little side stories, especially if you build up the history between the characters mm -hmm. um, for yourself, just even a little. And I just say the create a character. Um, clinic is a good one for that because you can pick all of these different things and obviously you don't have to go through the whole book oh yeah holly even specifically says just pick a few questions right for each, right for each don't character. answer everything good god yeah you'll <laughs> be there for months yeah but it's um kind of it's just this really really good way to handle your characters and to give the reader some interest and something to keep going is to maybe even give them a conflict thread throughout the entire novel. Right, right. And throughout the entire series, they can build new conflicts. Nobody is a perfect match for anybody else. I mean, there might be somebody out there who is, but I've never met a Matt and I have no. disagreements and, and yeah. things, you know, things that we see differently in the world. But the core stuff, we are just rock solid on. And, and that's why, you know, that's why we lasted... And the first two didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, and taking it back to friendship, that's why so many of the more important friendships have lasted as long as they have because, yeah, you disagree on stuff and you might even have an argument or two. Mm -hmm. But if your core beliefs, if you're, if, if the things that make your character your character, if they are also important to their best friend, um, or their work wife or work husband, <laughs> um, then that's all that matters. Like Tony had one work wife that I adored. And usually I'm a very jealous person. I, I leap to conclusions. I am, you know, cause every, I know everybody has insecurities. One of mine is definitely losing him because he's amazing. And, um, he had one work wife though that I loved. I loved her. I loved her husband. I thought that they were great. I've done um, some art for her and it's, I just loved how well they worked together and I never actually saw it or anything. It's just, it was the one person that I felt like I could completely 100% trust with him, mm -hmm. like no problem at all. Yeah. And that they just clicked. And he's like, he's got three people that he mentions as the best partners and, um, one of them is her and one of them is her husband but it's just 
I just, that, that kind of relationship, because they didn't agree on everything, obviously. Mm -hmm. Tony is a very polarizing figure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he has his opinions. Yes. And he is a Yankee, so you are going to hear them. (laughs) Um, But. Yes, well. And and she is, and she is (laughs) Southern. So, you know, there's, there's that really kind of cool conflict you've got going that you can add if you know anything about Yankees and Southerners. Yes. Well, you are much more of a Southerner. I am much more of a Yankee. Yes. And yes. Oh, yes. I've got some Yankee in me now because of Tony. (laughs) Yeah. But that has informed our dynamic for, for years Mm -hmm. is that we have very, very different ways of dealing with issues. Yes. Yeah. And we're very different people. You, you might not pick that up from listening to this, but we, we have different opinions on the world and people and how we act and stuff like that. We have different belief systems, but, um, yeah, when it comes to friends, uh, I guess you could, you could make somebody like, uh, in, in Australia, cause I'm learning a lot of lingo. <laughs> You, you can make somebody just like a regular old Joe and then give them a Bogan friend that, you know, and that Bogan is like worse than a redneck, I guess. Okay. Because they say redneck and then a Bogan is like even worse. And then make this one person like super rich and fancy and stuff. And, and that would be a really odd friendship. And that like they don't like Bogans, but the, this one is like their best friend. Mm-hmm. And you could figure out a way to to have them connect on something really, really core. Right. Um, saving somebody's life can yeah. be a first ground, you know, as a way to for for your two characters to meet. One of them saves the other's life. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is in some place scary, and the other one walks them out. Um, one of them is seems very meek and timid. And the other one seems big and brave and strong, but they are in a situation where the big, brave, strong one has a freaking panic attack, and the small, meek one talks the this, the big, brave one back to being able to breathe. Um, there are a lot of different ways where you have this these differences in people, and the difference can save you, and the difference can be the thing that gets you through the friendship, because we are weak where other people are strong. Yeah. And yeah, and th- those differences, when somebody else knows a whole lot about one thing, and somebody else knows a whole lot about the other, they, it's that yin-yang, mm-hmm. it's that balance. So when you have the, the disparities, they end up working out and kind of fitting together like Lego pieces, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Want to move on to the next one? The building yeah. of common ground. That's number four. Um, and this is now you have established how they meet. And you already understand that they have something very important in common. And they have a zillion things upon which they disagree. And you are emphasizing in the beginning, their disagreements. You are emphasizing these these things they trip over. Maybe they don't know at the beginning what they have in common, and they are simply physically stuck together. They have no options. They have to be together every day, all day, and no choice in the matter. So as they are doing whatever it is they're doing in your story, they start discovering the little tiny hints of the thing that is most important to both of them that they share. And 
that would be like uh, the, the, the big, strong, heroic guy who has a panic attack, the small, weak, timid woman who, who manages to talk him out of it. Uh, and then and they are, let's say, they are on absolute political opposite sides of the fence. And she's, she's terribly liberal, liberal, he's terribly conservative. And they, they see no way that they can possibly be together, even to, to work together. They're not a romantic relationship. They see no way they can get along. But they both discover that at the core of their very firm political beliefs is this central core of belief in the system of, of justice. Um, belief in in the right of the individual and that they are just both rock solid on that one tiny little pinpoint. And they see each other making these decisions to protect people that they would have sworn the other one would have sold down the river. Um, go ahead. If you want to see this in action, go watch Parks and Rec. Parks and Recreation. Um the characters of Leslie and Ron Swanson, who is my favorite character, one of my favorite characters in television of all time, Ron Swanson. He is a libertarian. He is the head of Parks and Rec, and he wants all government shut down. <laughs> he thinks, yeah, he thinks his job is a joke. He does as little as possible, and he likes, he, he would prefer his entire Parks and Rec crew to be a just huge disaster and never get anything done. Leslie is a pain in his ass. Leslie is the exact opposite. She is, um, she is liberal and very much a Democrat. She is completely like enamored with her job. She loves what she does. She absolutely just balls to the wall work, like completely nothing but work, always just (laughs) insane. She does like for a regular presentation that you would maybe have a three or four page spread to let everybody know what's going on. She brings three ring, three inch ring binders and passes them out and to everybody. God, she sounds like me. Yeah. She's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a great show. It's, it's hilarious. The last season is a little, the last season's kind of iffy, but eh. um, <sighs> if you, if you want to see two completely different polar opposite, people on every possible way (laughs) except these fundamental things and this was actually something that michael sure i think his name is michael um michael sure wanted to put in the show intentionally Mm -hmm. is to show these two people on complete political opposite sides getting along working through because his thing is the country is so divided and people aren't talking they're yelling they're speaking, but they're not listening. So in this instance, it's two people completely different that continue to support each other and have that common ground. And it's brilliantly written. And it's ju- and just as a side note, Michael Schur is one of my favorite freaking people. <laughs> Be- not just because of that with, with Parks and Rec, but also because he was, if you guys have ever seen The Office, he was Moe's in The Office. And Moe's is hilarious. Um, but yeah, anyway, that is a very, very good representation of what Holly is talking about. It's just a comedy version. If you, if you don't have, if you, if your characters are not stuck together, if they don't have to be together, it makes it, I think, um, just as strong 
of a pole that these two complete polar opposites keep this keep desiring to hang out right keep desiring to like like oh my god he drives me crazy but i still want because to there's hang out something with him. there yeah there's and then and finding you, that yeah you know is fun yeah because there will be a chemistry between people who just seem wrong for each other and how you build that me and tony yeah is you as the writer know the secret thing that connects them. You know what that is, but there is this chemistry between people that you they can look at each other and say, why, why the hell do I want to have anything to do with you, you're, you're, you hippie freak? Well, I don't know, you pin-striped, uptight, ridiculous, haircutted bastard. And then, that is the weirdest insult yes, I've ever heard. Yes, you could have just said something like you, you preppy GQ bastard. I but couldn't nope, think of the words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was stuck with a description, you know. But people have this kind of gut chemical connection to people who are unlike them and can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. And and you know why, because you have built this chemical connection beforehand, but in real life, it's really there. And you'll meet someone and you think, I should hate you, but I don't. Why? Yep. Why yep. don't I hate you? You are everything that I don't think. And then you get together and you start doing things in groups with other people or whatever, and you discover that this person who is completely unlike you isn't that there are some things really important that you hook up on that you and I don't mean hook up in the in yeah. the yeah go to bed together way that you 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 just see that that common ground seeping out a little bit between the two of you over a period of time this is a really old reference this is one of the first i think one of the first few seasons of the real world um, and this is a real case. This is real, two real people. Um, one was a white male. One was a black female. And if you watch the show, and I vaguely remember this. I really, really do. He was um, sort of ignorant to race issues. And he, they, they just, you would think that they would not get along. And they didn't at first. But, and this is a case where they were stuck together because <laughs> it was the real world. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, any of the younger folks listening to this, um, I don't know if it's still a thing. It might, st- they might be on season like 30 something. I don't know. Um, but that was a program run by the MTV, MT, by the MTV. I'm old now by MTV. <laughs> and they put people in a house and they put cameras around. So then you would see the drama. <laughs> um, and there was a lot between them. But I remember a few years after seeing that they had actually become kind of really, really, really close. I don't know if they're best friends, but they had become really, really close because he wasn't, he wasn't against learning. He wasn't against, like, he wasn't saying, no, you're wrong. He was, and they had like this, this kind of connection and I don't know what it is because I'm not them. And I haven't done like a whole lot of research into it or anything like that to find out what it was for them. But it, they've, they were able to turn that corner and become really close. And that's something else that you can use is 
taking two people, and again, this is something that Parks and Rec does kind of, you know, a little bit. It's it's where they start to inform each other. I'm not going to say change each other's minds mm-hmm. because some things you can't change somebody's mind about. Right. But you start to underso- understand the other side of things. And that can be a really great conflict art for an entire book or an entire series is them just there's something about each other that they that they like and that they connect on but they disagree on big topics as well Mm -hmm. so then they can just slowly inform each other you don't want to make it preachy you don't want to make it um like this soapbox yeah but if you can slowly show the other character what this one is going through through action and slowly kind of their knowledge of the world opens up because you see that the other side isn't wrong it's just not what you've experienced (laughs) now this uh i'm going to add a little warning here um there are a lot of books that try to use this but they have one person who is absolutely right and one person Mm -hmm. who is absolutely wrong so what it is it is the person converting the yes. other person. That is not what I'm talking no, about no. at all. I'm saying both characters learning about, like, being informed about the other's lives. That doesn't change their own personal life and what they're going through. Right. But it does open their mind to the other character in the other character's world. And maybe it might change a little bit of how they see that person. Right. It can, it can generally soften people's hardline issues it can give them a shared common ground at the point where you are preaching and that's what this is whether it's political or religious or some other conversion that's what the conversion is right um yeah exactly you you immediately kill any sort of real relationship that you are writing because people coming into it are going to feel sold out Uh, people who are reading here's a good idea for that if you have something that you want to get across give each character half of that and then that way that they can kind of yeah open each other's minds to that and so it makes it more like they're both growing and it gives the reader not the feeling like oh i should be converted to whatever this person because this person is preaching that this is the one and only way right right and and if you are doing that you are going to infuriate tons of readers you are going to piss people off no end and you're really you're only preaching to the choir yeah exactly exactly anybody that you might have convinced of of the good of what you are discussing just ditched <laughs> yeah yeah, because yeah, I, I, I usually if I start a book, I finish it. It's it's kind of a weird thing. It's it's an absolutely have to. But if there's a bunch of that preaching shit, nope, mm-hmm. straight into the donate bin. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it is it is very possible to lose readers. I have it in the very broad reading I have been doing lately to learn a new genre for me. Um, I have d- ditched a couple of people for political preachiness. In a genre that should have absolutely nothing to do with politics. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you know, you can bring in your core convictions, and I am fine with people's core convictions. But at the point where you start throwing in political, actual political um, proselytizing, mm-hmm. I'm out. Bye bye. Yeah. All gone. Yeah. Yeah. It, you need to make it like an allegory, like Mom did with Talon, where it was. Um, actually about republicans and democrats or liberals and conservatives and how they needed to get the fuck together or they were going to just yeah they had they had to come together or they were going to lose everything to a third party yeah that was intensely evil yeah so now let's move on to number five in the relationship thing which is suffering hurt and betrayal and this a good example of this would be if your best friend marries somebody you cannot stand (laughs) and that person just cannot stand you, and you can no longer connect. Uh, You you and your friend have this sudden wall between the two of you that just, it it just is a barrier that that breaks the two of you in a lot of ways. Um, There, if you are writing this, you can have the friend's, get past it you can you can have the the hurt and betrayal the person who is the hurt and betrayal that can turn out to be the villain you can get rid of that person in real life it probably doesn't work quite that smoothly most of the time yeah i mean you could learn to like the the character can learn to like the husband because of something or or wife the spouse Mm -hmm. because of something that they do something major something big like for me uh would be like bringing home a sick and terrified kitten you know that down on the road i mean that would definitely uh ingratiate that person to me like dearly and that because that's one of my strong convictions right animal rescue so if you know your character's convictions and this person is just against most of them Mm -hmm. and you know, just seems like an awful person, you can have them do something that is like the one redeeming quality that fits one of those core convictions that that person never would have seen the spouse ever doing ever in a million years. Right, right. Um, This is where you, again, have to know those core convictions because if the spouse, because people have different core convictions. It's like all of these different circles of things that are important to them. Some will be bigger than others. And people can marry someone based on core convictions that are different than the core convictions that the friend friends have. Yeah. And if, if those, if the core convictions of the two friends cannot get past the core convictions of the relationship because there's just no common ground between the friend and the spouse, then the friendship ends. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is just that way. Or, or if the relationship is not that solid for the married couple, then they end up in a divorce, mm-hmm. um, which also happens. Um, but it, if that again, does happen, I just want to say, please don't put in the I told you so. Please don't have the, the, oh God. or the friend come back and say, oh, you were right about my husband. You know, it's, oh. it, it, like, it's a genuine, you got to be really genuine about this person had shared some sort of core conviction with the husband or right. wife, and right. then they lost their spouse 
because the rest, it just didn't work out. And it's just so, so trite to have the one character be like, well, I told you it was no good. And the other person say, yeah, you were right. I mean, it's just, come on. Right. Right. That's, that's the, the number of spouses who are genuinely no good. You know, I had one of those, but, um, (laughs) I disagree about the number, but that's Uh, fine. That's you. I know. Um, so then you have this hurt and this betrayal, but there are other ways that you can do the same thing where mm-hmm. they, where these two friends have these shared core convictions and one of them discovers something new and important to that person that the, that the friend detests, <laughs> you know, but it wasn't the, it wasn't their common ground. It wasn't their core conviction. It's not like the two of them, one of them suddenly flipped sides on mm-hmm. this thing that they share. Um, but they they take up something the other one just cannot understand, cannot abide. Um, and so they have this this sense of, I thought I knew you, and what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And it's because it's outside of this ring of what really matters. To both of them. To both of them, but it's it's seems out of character because of something that the other one does not understand. If you build these core convictions within your characters to start, then you know, then you'll be able to kind of play around with this. You can build these circle, like put these words together. What do they share? Build, put them in a circle. What do they not share? Write those, put them in, you know, some other kind of circle and build this kind of triangle of the things that they, they share that are the most important they share that aren't and then the things that they don't share that are the most important right right because the things that they don't share that are the most important are where you're going to get a lot of your good fiction conflict a lot of it Um, and it also really it helps inspire other people as they're reading this fiction that you can disagree with a friend and just accept them Mm mm-hmm it's, it's about acceptance. It's not about trying to change a person, whether that's your spouse or a friend. It's not about changing them to make them who you want them to be. Right. It's the same in fiction. So if you're writing these characters that are just completely just polar opposites in so many ways, but they find a way to accept each other, it's also teaching other people out there that this is possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a big deal. That you don't have to have everything in common with a friend. Your friend can have some parts of his or her life that you just you just don't get, you don't understand, but you guys can yeah. still be friends. And this is an important thing to bring into your fiction. Is mm-hmm. you know there are things that you can overcome as long as you share these essential core convictions. As long as your characters share these essential core convictions and those remain solid. You can, you can suffer the hurt, you can suffer the betrayal, but you can find your way back to each other. Now, let's go through number six, which is breaking up. And this, there, there are places where uh, a good novel or a good short story will just ta- take the two people who are these buddies, these best friends, these whatever, and throw them to opposite sides of the map where they are, they are not speaking to each other, uh, where they cannot 
stand the sight of each other, uh, where something happens, and it can't be just a misunderstanding. It can't be, well, uh, so-and-so said you did this, and that, you know, that this, this is the thing that, that breaks them up. Well, is, it can't be a simple misunderstanding. Right, it, right. It, it can it, be, yeah, it can be a forced misunderstanding by the antagonist of the book or something mm -hmm. like that. Lies, yeah, it can be deception. Deceits. Yeah, it can be yeah. uh, conspiracy. It can be uh, something that was intended to break them up. It can be um, just, it has to be big. It has to be meaningful to both of them. It has to, for a while, put them on opposite sides of a fence because they cannot see how the other person did these things that seem so out of character. Yeah. And the other person has to have a reason why. So once you have established that they are apart, that they are struggling, that they are angry with each other, then you have to continue to show why they matter to each other. Yeah. That even though they are apart, there is pain in them being apart. They're, they don't feel better because of it. They feel worse because of it. Because they truly do matter to each other. And this is part of that whole buddies and besties thing. That, mm -hmm. that that is a mist in a lot of fiction. Yeah, a lot of fiction when when they have two friends suddenly break up, it's 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 like they were never friends. It was like oh, you just read and it comes off as empty and not realistic because you were best friends for a reason. Yeah, you you were so close for a reason. And when you have a fight and you're no longer best friends or you're not talking to each other or whatever, it doesn't completely erase all of your history right. that is still there you still miss that person mm -hmm. you know and you if you don't know this from experience then you are very very lucky but it i think most of us do right right and yeah i've, I've lost a couple of friends that i couldn't i couldn't fix it and it still hurts um yeah yeah you know and that is a relationship that in your life is just gone and you can't get it back and you don't know what you did wrong yeah. and yeah and, and sometimes sometimes you might know what you did wrong yeah um but it depends on so like if a character doesn't know what they did wrong that's one one big conflict is them mm -hmm. trying to figure it out if somebody doesn't does know what they did wrong they don't don't act like they did wrong because most of the time if they did quote wrong it was something that they believed in it was a conviction that had them create that rift right right and it's it's a struggle and you have to show the struggle you have to show the pain because a real friendship is gonna have some pain in it mm -hmm. and it's going to have these areas of conflict and good friendships they will you can generally find a way to come back together if you can't, it's because some portion of what you understood as the friendship, some value that you thought you and this other person shared, you didn't actually share. And that is heartbreaking too. Yeah. Okay, so that takes us back to number seven, which is getting back together. And this is, again, not something that is easy. You mm -hmm. don't, they don't just suddenly go, oh, it was all a big misunderstanding. We can be friends again. 
this is something where trust has been lost. Yeah. Um, where there is real, genuine hurt on both sides. Even if it was that deceit, right? Let's take it a look at that. Even yeah. if it was that misunderstanding that came from an intentional third party, y- even in getting back, they're still going to have a little bit of that, that, well, it was that easy to break us up. Right. Apart. How could it you was, believe this about yes. me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How There's could you There's still going to be that problem. Yeah. Yeah, so this, it cannot be, oh, it was all a big misunderstanding. We're back to being best friends. No, no. They they have to work their way back to each other. They have to earn each other's trust again. And a really good way to do this is to put them into a situation where they have to fight for each other and save Mm -hmm. each other from some external thing. It really helps if it's tied into the thing that broke them up in the first place. Yeah, Um, and if it's all part of the plot and part of like the main story or a side story. Yeah, this is where Um, fiction has it all over real life. (laughs) Yeah. That you can build this stuff in and if you don't get it right in first draft, you can fix it in revision and you can give them deeper and richer and more complex problems that have to be solved. Um, yeah, so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, that, bringing them back together, I like the idea, too, of, of, okay, well, so they reach the ending of this book, they're friends, and if this is a series, this is a great way to do it. Then the next book comes out, and, and while they're friends again, and they're, they they can, can even consider themselves best friends again, carry that thread. Mm -hmm. Have the thread of that previous betrayal on both ends pop up every now and then you know in in some fashion and it's something because that's how real life works yeah that hesitation that doubt that moment where the the one character needs to react immediately and hesitates because of this past knowledge of of whatever it was that broke them up of this shaky place now in the relationship Mm -hmm. that's like it's like a broken bone that hasn't quite healed yet yeah and sometimes the hurt can be deep enough that it's going to travel for the rest of their lives but they are still best friends about it it's just Mm -hmm. it's something that heals over wrong there's always going to be a limp Mm -hmm. so that that can come back not just in in these moments where they have to hesitate but it can come back in small interactions it can come back in the the most simple of, of ways just you know a sudden doubt that just suddenly enters the mind. It just depends on what your character is like. Mm -hmm. It also depends on the plot, the genre, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important to remember this, that bricks don't generally heal perfectly. There are usually some scars. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. It's like one of those fiction is meant to be better than real life in many ways, because you can do things that you can't do, but it, you can't relate or your your audience can't relate to the book unless it it takes from real life. Yeah. So it's like that delicate balance. And making things magically better forever after with no hint that there was this pain, mm-hmm. it hurts your fiction. It doesn't help it. Because yeah. And it, it can only help the reader by showing them that, you know, two, three books down the line, there's still a little tiny bit of of friction in one little area of their friendship well that makes the reader feel like hey i've been there yeah that and and that that's okay 
And it makes them more connected to you as the writer. It makes them more connected to the story and those characters. Yeah. And that, that is actually number seven, getting back together. So we covered oh, yeah. that kind yeah. of in, in advance, but let's just go ahead and move on to number eight, number eight which is the potential happily ever after. And if you're doing one book or you're doing a series, you will know in advance most of the time that you want to give these people a potential happily ever after. When you end the series, they ride off into the sunset together as best friends. They ride off it so that, you know, if you are doing a series, you leave a little bit of an opening in there. If you suddenly want to go back in, um, you can write another book with the two of them. And... uh, You've you've got, you, you know the characters. You've yeah, got the conflicts. You've right. got what's important, and there there and it can't be the same conflicts. But if you suddenly think of a new cool conflict that'll work, yeah, and you want to get back into the series, then you have that you know opening. Yes, exactly. Um, on the other hand, number nine, the potential tragic loss. Mm-hmm. This this is the other way to end a series and or a novel, and I can't say that I'm a big fan of it, but I've done it. Yeah, she's done it. I've done it. Unfortunately for me and other badger lovers. Yep, this would again be hunting the Corrigan's blood, and it was not supposed to be that way. They were supposed to be my team. They were supposed to be these two weird best friends that had at one point had a romantic relationship and the romantic relationship just didn't work out, but they were really good friends. And there was going to be this conflict about him and his absolutely horrible choices in in men and women that he brought back. And well, also his absolutely flashy oh, yeah. um, tastes. And, and Okay, so here's a good one. Go read... Hunting the Corrigan's Blood, if you have not read it, <laughs> for a good way to show two people that are very different. Yeah. Because, I mean, I love the way you describe his his absolutely horrific tastes in um, the the bright neon skin colors, the crazy eyes, the crazy staticky hair, yeah. the, the clothing he chooses. Well, he was um, compensating. He was overcompensating for having been born albino. Yeah. And... He was, he, he was. I actually liked his horrific choices, just to let you know. <laughs> well, yes, and I think yes. <laughs> we will that just slide right on by yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, well, I kind of liked some of them too, and I thought that they were a nice bit of culture building in mm-hmm. showing that he and was. And character building. And character building, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, uh, that was supposed to be one of these kind of besties, buddies, happily ever afters where they went on and I did a bunch of different books with them until I wrote the ending and it just didn't go that way. And it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the right ending, but I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But it's the right ending and I can't go back on it now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And, you know, I got a much better I got a romantic interest for her out of it in the next book. But, oh, but, but boy, did I, I paid in tears and pain and heartbreak while I wrote it and after I wrote it. And even while that I go back and read it, it's like, oh. And in the third book, I revisit that first relationship briefly just because it was such an important relationship in her life. And that's the point. That's, yeah. that's the thing is that 
just because you lose somebody doesn't mean that they're not still there. Right. And that's true in real life and it's true in fiction. And again, it's that it's that delicate balance of of fiction and real life. Yeah. Yeah. And there is this pain of loss that you carry with you for the rest of your life. Mm. And that that makes for some very powerful fiction. It can also really make readers hate you. And I have had some people who told me, oh my God, I stopped reading that series after that book because, you know, and I'll say, well, yeah, but she found her guy. She found her guy in the next book. It's like, oh. Yeah, but but, he's not not Badger. Yeah, (laughs) no, he isn't. And I like him even more than I liked Badger, but that's Eh. me. Eh. Ah. eh. You don't know yet. You don't know. I've read part two. Yeah, but you haven't seen part three. No, but eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck on mine. Um, okay, so is that everything except for the takeaway? Yeah. Well, okay. no, no. There is oh. a still. Okay. So there, there is now, after we have done that section on these are the, the full relationships. Uh, these are the just the pieces of full relationships. Here are the areas where you want to be careful. Um, You want to be careful with misunderstandings, and we kind of covered that. You want to be careful with two perfect friends, which is where, oh, my God, they're a perfect match for each other. They agree on everything um, because if if both of them agree on everything, one of them is a dish rag or one of them is lying. Or... It's just boring. Well, it is boring, but it's also, it, it also isn't a friendship. It's, it's not It's like realistic. having a clone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it doesn't have to, it, it's true that one of them could be a dish rag. It's true that one of them could be using the other one, but that makes for good conflict. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the other thing is if you're writing it and you're writing it as they do agree with everything, then it's just boring. It's boring as hell for the reader to read. It's like, oh, gee, I wonder what's going to happen now. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not realistic. And again, there are certain things that you don't want to do from realism and this is one of the things that you don't want to do from fiction is create two perfectly unless unless they're the antagonist and in like um the bad place by dean koontz those right. twins you, you don't want these two people to be clones right if one of them is a dish rag they're not friends if one of them is lying they're not friends that yeah. isn't is a conflict between them and if they are just both the same you might as well just write one character yeah um okay the next thing they have the nothing in common friends and this is this is another thing that i have seen that does not work if they truly have nothing in common one of them is using the other one for something it's it's because we find friends in our common ground, in what we truly believe that matters to us, in these shared core beliefs, in these shared core passions, in these things that we love that each other loves, and that's why we are friends. If they have no shared loves, no shared common ground, they have no relationship that's built on truth. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I see a lot in both romances and other things is that the and where they're friends and it feels like oh they're friends because the writer said so yeah and it irritates readers mm-hmm. readers can't connect 
with either of those characters at that point or can connect with one because they feel like, okay, I get this person. And then they get frustrated because they wouldn't be friends with this other person. That's worse than not being able to connect with both yeah. is that you connect very well with one and you see this absolute BS coming <laughs> from this other character. And it's like, yeah. there's no reason they would be friends. They get irritated. They won't read more. Yeah. This is readers are not stupid and readers have friends. They understand how friendship works. They have enemies. They understand how enmity works. They have they live in the real world. They see the real world. And if you are throwing something at them that has no basis in the real world, they're going to walk away. Yeah. Okay. And they might finish the book, but they're certainly not, probably not going to buy another one from you. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that would keep me from finishing the book. It really is. Where I, I would want to read and see where they finally tried to finally make this person worth it. And then by the end... If the friendship hadn't made sense, I would not buy another one. I wouldn't bother wasting my time or money. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I've, if it is well written, if there is a good conflict, if there's a good story, and if I can't see why they're friends, but I have this undercurrent of there's something there that I'm just not seeing. Yeah. And by the end of the book, I find out what that is. Yeah. I would read yeah. that. Yeah. If the writer is a good enough writer that it makes you want to that you're anticipating a reveal mm -hmm. and then the reveal doesn't come i'm not i'm not wasting my money or time on another book yeah so and it, 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 even give a small reveal right of something is and then build that in the next book that's great yeah with one other caveat here um if both characters hold values that are antithetical to my own values, I will not read yeah. the book. I will stop well, yeah. reading. And that's every reader. If the book is about something where both characters on two are on two sides of a separate issue and the reader disagrees with both sides, uh, that is just a case of this person is not your reader. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. This, it, it, this is a moment where you have to pick your own sides and you have to understand that when you are writing about something that is important to you, there are going to be people who are not your readers. You cannot connect with everybody. And yeah. that's just the business. Okay, uh, then pull from your own experience. Use your own love. Use your own pain. Use your own heartbreak. Use your own friendships saved, friendships lost, um, use your own life as your background. Now, don't make it obvious. Don't use the same names. Don't use the same situations. But pull from your own pain. Transmute that into some other kind of situation and some other kind of pain, some other kind of loss, some other kind of bringing it all back together again, if you could. Um, make sure that when you write it, it matters to you. If you make yourself laugh, if you make yourself cry, while you're writing, you're doing it right. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the last one is understand that people and relationships change. And dear friends can become enemies. That if, if one of the things you hold as core to your innermost being is something that you and a friend share, and then the friend, share, the friend flips on that core ground, and says, no, I don't believe that anymore. I have come to believe this other thing, and I have my reasons, and I think they're good reasons. That is the end of the friendship. 
That yeah, and that's completely believable. It happens oh, in real man. life all the time. Oh yeah, it sure does. And it's devastating. It is devastating mm -hmm. to generally to one of the two parties. It may not be devastating to both because but to the person who is cast off. Yeah. That is is soul crushing. And it could be it could be that it was cast that the person who did not change cast off the other one. Don't think that just because one flipped that's the one who decided they didn't want to be friends anymore. Yeah. Could be the other one. It it you, you just got to know your plot and your characters. Exactly. But either one they can both suffer or either one can cast off the other and then that one is is in a lot of pain. Mhm. Mm so is that everything until the takeaway? That is everything until the takeaway. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to remind you guys where you can follow us, but I do want to say something that we have, I have been forgetting to mention. Holly has a YouTube channel, and if you prefer to follow her on there and listen to the podcast there, they are uploaded the same time pretty much as the podcast on any other app. So if you like YouTube, if you prefer YouTube, it's Holly Lyle. That's H-O-L-L-Y-L-I-S-L-E. That's all you got to do. Just type that in, and then you see they're on there every week. Um, I'm going to be updating those so that they have all the links, they have all the information because we just have been kind of neglecting it. And um, it's apparently something where she gets, you know, some views. There mm. are people that are watching those. So I want to make this a little bit easier for anybody of, out there of you who watch it on YouTube. I'm going to definitely put some links in there so that we that, do need to note that this is not actually watching. Yeah, there's no... There's no video. Yeah, we, do, we don't record our uh, Zoom sessions or anything like that. No. Uh, we might, if we get together, we might do a podcast or something like that where we're, you know, together and we're talking to each other. And I mean, if, if you guys are interested in that, but that's a long ways down the road and it's a very, it very is. rare thing that we would do. Yeah, because that is an intensive extra step with a lot of other variables and a ton yes. of editing and stuff and yeah we just live very far away oh yeah you can follow us at a-i-a-r-w-i-p on twitter you can follow us at alone with invisible people on instagram you can follow holly at holly.lisle on instagram i am r gallardo that's g-a-l-a-r-d-o on instagram you can follow us on the facebook at alone in a room with invisible people and you can find uh the show notes at alone with invisible people.com uh you you've got we've got transcriptions on the way so we're trying to make it easier for people with hearing impairments and or just people who want to go back and uh look at their notes and maybe they missed a part then they can pop open the transcript and go for them and that's basically it except that if you want to join the community i know that a lot of people like Facebook, but the real community of, with all of the writers and everything, your backup, the the free courses, which is the how to write flash fiction, the uh, summer of fiction as well. Join hollyswritingclasses.com. It is a free account and there are tons of writers. If you don't have writer friends that get you these are these are the people to go to especially if you are somebody who is trying very hard you're, you're doing your best to learn you're listening to all of the podcasts and and taking things here and there it's it, it's a great place for all writers it really is for all of our writers that are doing the work yeah we have awesome 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 people on the podcast or on the forums and if you need to reach us for any reason it's show at alone with invisible people.com so holly go oh and i did want to also say don't forget Halloween episode. The submission due is October 1st. And 
go look at the guidelines. They're on the website. If you go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com, on the right-hand side, if you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see Halloween 2009. So click on that and read the guidelines. We'd love to see your submissions. Yes, we would. Okay, so let me go ahead and do the takeaway here. And this is the single most important thing about writing besties and buddies or buddies and besties. Focus on showing your reader why your friends are wonderful friends and why they're good together in spite of their differences. Focus on showing what they have in common and focus on showing what they have that's not in common because the whole point of any human relationship is how people overcome their differences to work together. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so that has been our episode on how to write besties and buddies. I hope that this helped. If um, the original poster or if anybody is interested in how to write chemistry, um, yeah, definitely let us know that you want to learn how to write chemistry because that's it, it's kind of separate in a way and it's something else that we could probably do maybe a mini on or yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I could probably we could probably do that in a mini maybe. Oh thank God. <laughs> Everything for you is no it's not gonna be a mini. So that's good to hear. Okay, so yeah, I'm just gonna say we love you guys. Uh we appreciate all the support and um yeah, just Yeah. Man. Get get to writing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Get your words. You know, set a low limit. Set something that you can accomplish comfortably every day. And just, you know, every, every day that you have available for writing, write a little bit of something. You can absolutely do this. 